The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads ensure you can take on any adventure. Available H-Track all-wheel drives so you can take on the dirt trails and kick up some mud. Standard third-row seating so your whole family can experience the thrill together. Available dual wireless charging pads so no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead phone. Whether you're tailgating out in the dirt lot, Carter Finley, shout out Carter Finley, or whether you're whitewater rafting, taking the entire family on an adventurous trip, maybe you're out camping at Mount Rogers, I used to go as a kid, I wish my parents had a Hyundai Santa Fe, the Hyundai Santa Fe is perfect for your family outing, learn more about the all new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com, call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Hello, everybody. It's a Pick 6 Podcast. It's uh, it's me, Ryan Wilson, because uh, Will Brinson takes the weekends off. So, And it's Mock Draft Pick 6 Pod Day. So luckily, in Will Brinson's absence, I have Josh Edwards here. Talk a little draft. So Josh, who is now a father one month in, how are you doing, buddy? Um, You know, I'm <laughs> a little bit terrified. Um, you know, each day presents a new challenge, and, uh, you know, we get through it, but I've spent a couple of days watching film with a newborn attached to my my chest, uh, which is a new experience, but uh, one that I wouldn't wouldn't trade for anything in the world. So it's it's been going pretty well. Yeah, that's a way to put a positive spin on it. I like it. All right, one month in, and, and the newborn's already watching t- film. That's, that's still positive. I, I mean, that that could change over time. I feel like you know, eventually you kind of get broken down, but I'm still in this optimistic. You know, everything is fantastic stage, so we'll see how long it lasts. So what you're saying is your son knows more about the 2021 uh, players coming into the draft than Brinson does. Got it. Okay, so here we go. Pick 6 Mock Draft Monday 2.0. Uh, in the feed, if you haven't checked it out yet, we did a mailbag. Me, Brinson, and, and Breach answered some questions. Uh, talked about some things that we normally don't talk about. Debo, are we doing a mailbag every week or every so often? We're going to try to do one. Pretty much every Friday throughout the offseason until mock draft season is over, then we'll probably transition that to Mondays. That's the plan as of now. Awesome. Because I saw some comments already on the old iTunes five-star leave a review thread, and, and people were, were already leaving questions for, for the next mailback. So I was curious. Great. So keep leaving those five-star reviews. Keep leaving questions. We'll get back to you. Coming up this week, AFC North offseason priorities. Um I don't know who's going to be on that podcast. I don't think I will be, but maybe I will be. But obviously Big Ben is the biggest issue. If you're me, if you're Josh Edwards, it's uh, how are the Browns going to beat the Steelers again twice? So that's something that I'm sure he's preoccupied with. Uh, by the way, I haven't talked to you in person, I don't think, Josh, since that huge win. Congratulations on back-to-back wins against the Steelers. Well-deserved. Yeah, I was actually uh, prepared for this. I'm glad that you you, <laughs> you brought it up, Ryan, because uh, just wanted – you know, I heard on the mailbag there wasn't enough stripping, so I thought I'd come prepared today with a uh, Browns jersey in honor of mm. that early gene. Actually, so I, I was texting you when I was in the hospital, but um, – with your son being born, not because you were sick. Right, right, yeah. Thank thank you for that. Um, so the night that my son was being born was actually the night that the Browns and the Steelers played. So um, fortunately, 
uh, I was able to, to focus on both. Um, I did not get myself in trouble, but to say the least, it was, it was a pretty good night if, if you were me. Yeah, absolutely. No, that, that was a great. I was happy for a lot of my friends who are Browns fans. That, that was well deserved. And I'm the type of Steelers fan that when you're down 48 to nothing in the first five minutes of the football game, you deserve to lose that game. There should be no coming back. So. Yeah. All right. Strong start of 2021 for you. Not so much for me and Big Ben. We'll see what happens. Uh, before we get to the mock draft thing, though, I want to talk about Paramount Plus. You've probably seen the journey to Mount Paramount. It's featuring Bill Cowher and James Corden, Patrick Stewart, Beavis and Butthead. Do you know who Beavis and Butthead is, Josh? Oh, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. I, I don't know what that says about me, but I grew up watching Beavis and Butthead quite a bit. I didn't know if they were uh, before your time, but I certainly right in my wheelhouse. Anyway, Paramount Plus is live sports, breaking news, and a mountain of entertainment. You can go straight from game day to movie night with Paramount Plus, stream iconic movies like The Gladiator, Indiana Jones, Mission Impossible, new episodes of critically acclaimed original series like Star Trek Picard, The Good Fight, and The Stand. And get this, it's where you can dive into live sports from us, CBS Sports, including NFL, March Madness, The Masters, Champions League, plus stream hit shows from CBS, Nickelodeon, MTV, BET, Smithsonian Channel, and Comedy Central. By the way, I'll I'll say this as an aside, I don't know if... uh, some of you probably saw that flaming engine uh, on the flight from Denver to Honolulu that was all over social media and parts of the plane that had fallen in people's yards. They made a safe landing. Everyone was safe. But Smithsonian Channel reminds me, you can watch every one of the, uh, oh, what's it called? It's called, uh, it's the show about like plane crashes and how they solve the mysteries around them because that's sort of the thing that I'm into. Smithsonian has every episode uh, of that show, which is fantastic. Uh, live sports, breaking news, and a mountain of entertainment, Paramount Plus streaming March 4th. So look out for that. All right. Mock Draft Monday 2.0. Last week, it was just me and Brinson. So, Josh, I'll be honest. I'm glad to have you on this week because uh, I was basically talking to myself and Debo. Uh, so let's start with the combine or the lack of a combine. Last year, you and I were the combine. And uh, there are a lot of things you can do with the combine that are good for us as pers- uh, as reporters, excuse me people who follow the, the combine. And I think you had a chance to talk one-on-one with Ezra Cleveland. I think it was Ezra Cleveland because no one was at his table. <laughs> um, it's it's funny how that works out because we kind of get familiar with these guys through draft study. And then we show up at the combine and you see a lot of the reporters flock to the bigger names, the Alabamas, the LSUs. And, um, you know, you're able to find some pretty good players at other schools outside of those traditional powers. So uh, it was good to spend a little bit of time with Ezra Cleveland. I love the combine. I love the senior bowl for that reason. Senior bowl, maybe even somewhat better because you can talk to these players before it's a true media crush. Uh, the senior bowl is a little more intimate, but the, the, the combine is, is very close in that to your point. You can talk to players from quote unquote smaller schools or that people haven't quite learned about yet and, and talk to them about things that they'll probably never be able to or willing to talk about once they become quote unquote, you know, big time stars. So. What are your thoughts on the lack of a combine? For us, we know what it means. We're just not seeing these players in person. But for for the players, uh, is it a huge issue? Is it less of an issue because they'll still be having their 40s timed and their vertical jumps measured, or or is it somewhere in between? Well, I think it it depends which camp you fall into. If you're at an Alabama or an LSU, um, you know, you're going to get scouts flocking to your pro days, and that's not going to be – an issue, you know, everybody is has seen them play on national television multiple times. The issue is these small school players who make it a smaller contingent um, of scouts, and you know, the the forty times the measurables are not as widespread. That's going to be the biggest issue. Is there's not going to be any uniformity to the measurables 
um, you know, all the testing that we're accustomed to. So it's kind of tough to compare player A against player, you know, B when we don't have that uniformity. So that's going to be where it's difficult. And then obviously the, the interview process, the medicals, that kind of stuff, it's going to be challenging. So, um, you know, if you're a player that's already in good standing, you're probably fine with it. But if you still got some work to do, it's, it's going to be a little bit of an issue. Yeah. And I think, I think that's right. And one of the other issues, and, and we can talk about this now because it makes sense. Uh, the, all those players that opted out and there are a ton of them. Um, you talk to some scouts and they don't care about players opting out players like Micah Parsons or Jamar Chase. Um, and you talk to other scouts and they care about players opting out, maybe like a Panay Sewell who was off the charts good in 2019, but he's still really young, hasn't played a lot of football. And you would like to have seen him play in 2020. Gregory Russo, the edge rusher out of Miami, um, who opted out after getting 15 and a half sacks in 2019. And the guy who replaced him, Jalen Phillips, wearing the same number, actually may end up going higher than Gregory Russo. And I'm sure some of that's recency effect, and, and some of that is the fact that Phillips is probably a more polished player right now than Gregory Russo is, even though Russo may have more offside. So so these opt-outs, what what are your thoughts in general about the opt-outs, and, and are there any players that stick out to you that probably you wish had seen play, whether they're first-round talents or guys that we're talking about in day three that could have potentially been day two guys or something? Yeah, I think it varies again by the player because I think some of them had, you know, legitimate reasons for opting out of the season and uh, protecting themselves. Others, you know, maybe was a little selfishly motivated. And in that case, there's probably going to be some scouts that take, take issue with it. I fall on the line where, you know, we're in a once in a lifetime pandemic and I'm not going to try to judge anybody for the decision that they've made, but at the end of the day, that's a scout's job to kind of to uh, to dive into that and kind of learn the real meanings behind those decisions. Um, you know, when you talk about Gregory Russo and Jalen Phillips, obviously when Russo opted out, that created a bigger opportunity for Jalen Phillips. But at the same time, I'm left wondering, you know, what does Russo look like? Because I know he's been working with Chuck Smith to to work on his pass rush skills, so that might have actually been more beneficial. Um, for him to miss a little bit of time and to focus on that. So I'm very curious to see what he looks like right now. And I'm not sure I'm really going to get that opportunity. So that's the fun in all of this, the mystery, the unknown. Um, you mentioned one player that I would have liked to have seen play, and that would be Stanford offensive tackle Walker Little, who we really haven't seen play much over the last couple of years. Um, you know, he opted out this season, was already coming off an injury. Uh, didn't go to the senior bowl either. So we haven't seen much of him. He's a guy that's got a lot of talent, but unless you've seen him in person, you don't really know how he's developed as a player. Yeah, that's a great Walker. Walker is a great example of someone you wish had gone to the senior bowl. And I'm with you. Like, I'm not going to judge you for opting out, but just selfishly for football reasons, you would like to see where he's at in his football journey. Rondell Moore didn't opt out, but he's only played seven games the last two years. And I feel like, yeah, I would love to see him play 10 games in a season. But I also feel like this guy is so incredibly explosive that I might be okay with him uh, just staying healthy until I could draft him with a, a top 20 pick. Um, oh, I, and the guy, just as you were talking to Walker, a guy that popped in my head is someone that I, I really wanted to see play. And again, just for selfish reasons, not because I have any issues with him choosing to opt out, but Jamie Newman, the quarterback out of Wake Forest, he transferred to Georgia and then opted out before he had a chance to, before he got a chance to play at Georgia. Uh, he went to the senior bowl. He looked rusty, which isn't a surprise, but he has a ton of athleticism. He has a really good arm. He just hasn't played a lot of football. And 
if he had a great season in Georgia, he's in the day two conversation. Right now, he, he's probably – some people like him as third-round pick. I like him as a day three guy just because there's so many unknowns. But that's just an example of, uh, you know, as you mentioned, being in a, in a pandemic, how uh, the lack of football will certainly affect, for most of these guys, their draft standings. Um, I mentioned Panay Sewell. As a guy that some teams obviously want to see play, uh, the other teams are, are quite happy with where he is athletically as an offensive lineman. Um, Jamar Chase, I don't think anyone cares that he didn't play. I don't know if you feel differently, Josh. No, I think he's still a top wide receiver in this class. I know with recency bias, you know, it's easy to say Devontae Smith or Jalen Waddle because of specifically the season that Devontae had this year, but, um, you know, Jamar Chase, with a very talented guy like Justin Jefferson next to him last year, had just as dominant, probably a more dominant season last year. So it's easy to forget that because he's kind of been out of sight, out of mind. But Jamar Chase, to me, is still the top wide receiver in this class. But I think all three of them are elite options, and I wouldn't have a problem with any of them being the first off the board. It's funny you mention that because Jamar Chase is my wide receiver one, too. And I went back and watched – Someone's 2019, uh, tape, uh, a few weeks ago because I ha- had in those weekly mock drafts we do and we've both done, I think we're both on version 25 this week coming up. I've had Devontae Smith going higher just because as you mentioned, recency bias, he played in 2020. He was the Heisman Trophy candidate and he, he was doing a lot of amazing things, but I went back to, to remind myself about Jamar Chase and he is wide receiver one. He's six feet. He's not that big. He's not that fast. He somehow always separates. He's incredibly strong at, at the catch point. He never gets pushed off a route. He's incredibly physical. Uh, he catches everything you throw him. And if those things appeal to you, then Jamar Chase is probably a wide receiver you might like. There are going to be issues with Devontae Smith's size. I know he's been durable throughout his college career, but 170 is insanely light to play at. So we'll see what happens. Prisco was like, well, he can probably gain 10 or 15 pounds. Let's see. He maybe can, but he hasn't done it yet. And he's in Alabama. It's not like he's at just some junior college who doesn't have a, a training program. And not only that, if he's 15 pounds heavier, what is he going to play like? So I like Demonte Smith a lot, but I like Jamar Chase better. Um, Rashawn Slater is on that list. Uh, these are guys that I have all going in the first round, and they have been for quite some time. My latest mock draft, which comes out um, Monday, I have a bunch of trades. I think it's the second mock draft I've done with trades. So I have guys moving up and down the board just to mix it up a little bit. After Jamar Chase going number five, Dolphins straight down for him. Um, so I'll mention Rashawn Slater, uh, and we'll talk about him, but also because I have the Eagles staying put at six. Like, I have no idea what the Eagles are going to do. I don't, I'm not sure. I don't think Debo has any idea either. They could use a quarterback, maybe. I feel, feel like if Justin Fields is sitting there, they could use a wide receiver. Jamar Chase is sitting there. Um, but Jamar Chase is gone. I think Justin Fields is gone by this time. My latest mock draft. So I haven't taken Rashawn Slater, who can play. I think he's a, a good offensive left tackle, right tackle. There's conversation he has to kick inside because he's got short arms or whatever. I don't care about that. But he's also been training at center. Uh, how do you like the idea of the Eagles at number six with Jamar Chase and, and uh, Justin Fields off the board and Trevor Lawrence and Zach Wilson are also gone, targeting a, a, an offensive lineman there? I mean, I'm fine with it. I think I think <laughs> offensive tackle is a big need. I think linebacker is a big need, wide receiver, quarterback's a big need now. I mean – there's a number of directions that they could possibly go. I'm curious to hear where Debo's head is at after uh, the Wentz trade last week. Oh, boy. I have no idea what the Eagles are going to do. They could draft Mac Jones. They could draft Rayshon Slater. They can draft Rondell Moore. I I really have no idea. Ryan knows, like, I don't know what position they're going to target. You, you would think wide receiver. 
Wouldn't be shocked if it ends up being Parsons or Sertan. It, it really could go a, a number of ways. I'm still, you know, making up my mind after, after dealing with saying goodbye to, to Carson Wentz, number 11. Do you feel like what we saw in week 17 was, was it, was a coincidence Uh-oh. at all? Or, or do you think it was, it was tied to, uh, to getting a better draft spot? Yeah, I, I hope it was. I know Ryan doesn't really believe as much in, to the, the, the jump from nine to six, but I think that's super valuable when we're talking about maybe getting the first wide receiver off the board or the second wide receiver off the board. Now a lot of people have wide receiver one and two a little interchangeable, but I do think there's value even if they wanted to trade for them to, they may end up trading back from number six, but they'll get extra compensation that they wouldn't get if they were at number nine. So I had no problems with it then. I have no problems with it now, especially for all those Giants fans out there. You guys should have won more games if you wanted to be in the playoffs. Um, so I, I thought there was value there. I, I trust me. I, there's much more value to me than drafting number six than having that fifth win uh, of 2020. I'm, I'm going to forget about that fifth win pretty quickly. I hope that I remember the number six pick for a long time. And we also have closure on whether Nate Sudfeld is the long-term answer in Philadelphia too. Yes, we, that's we all we needed. Up. Learned a couple lessons. All right, let's take a quick break. We'll come back. We'll talk some more of these lists, and I have some more questions for Josh about my mock draft. The perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived. Thanks to the visionary minds of New Balance, Clutch Athletics, and Rich Paul, the designs reflect the heart of the athlete and the spirit of the community. With rising defensive stars Will Anderson and Chase Young on the roster, Clutch Athletics brings the best innovative gear to all athletes, giving them style and performance on and off the field. Learn more and purchase Clutch Athletics at NewBalance.com. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. All right, Josh, so we hit uh, the Eagles and what they may or may not do at number six. I don't think we will know until the very last moment, which, hey, makes the draft interesting. I have Micah Parsons going number nine to the to the Broncos, which I think is the first time I've had them taking a linebacker, even though if you look at the roster, Josie Jewell had a good year, but they need some, some depth there. Uh, let me ask you about my Cowboys pick at number 12. I have the Cowboys trading down. I haven't taken Caleb Farley, who is my cornerback one. I like him a little bit better than Patrick Sertan. Patrick Sertan is certainly more polished. Uh, Caleb Farley has not been playing the position very long. He also opted out. Uh, do you have any, uh, what does your cornerback one, two, three look like? Number one. And, and I'm, I'm, I'm assuming you're okay with the Cowboys targeting some defensive help, given how terrible they are defensively. Yeah, no question. I'm fine with either Caleb Farley or Patrick Sertan being the first, uh, cornerback taken. I tend to lean towards Caleb Farley a little bit too, because um, his size, his his physicality, I like that he stays in phase. He's able to get his head back around, uh, find the football, all that kind of stuff. So I like him to the Cowboys at 12. I think that's a natural fit. They need a cornerback since uh, Byron Jones left in free agency uh, a year ago. So that's a very natural fit. You know, I wouldn't wouldn't have an issue with Patrick Sertan there either. Uh, beyond those two guys, I like uh, UCF's Aaron Robinson. Um, and the guy that you and I have talked about a little bit is Kentucky's Kelvin Joseph. He's moving up a little bit for me as well. So uh, he probably won't be in the top three when it's all said and done. But 
those are probably my top four right now. I'm actually going through the cornerback rankings uh, for a positional breakdown on the defense for tomorrow. So I did the offense this past week, um, and then the defense comes out uh, tomorrow. So um, that's something that I'm still kind of working through, but I think those four will will probably be um, the top four when I when I break it all down. Wow. Okay. So I haven't watched Kelvin Joseph yet. I texted you about him uh, last week. I have to get to that. And Aaron Robinson's interesting to me because I watched him over the summer and I said, oh, this guy's thick. Like he, he plays a lot in the slot. Uh, he will knock the crap out of you. Um, the game I watched didn't blow me away in terms of his cover skills. I watched a couple more games a couple weeks ago and I like him more. He's, he, I don't think he's, I have to check, but he's not top six for me in cornerbacks. I don't think. But again, that just goes to show you how people can watch the same thing and have different opinions. I like J.C. Horn a lot out of South Carolina. Um, I like Tyson Campbell, I think, more than most people. The the tall Georgia cornerback who 6'2", I think he's 185. He clearly just gained weight. But he moves like he's 5'9", in terms of the way he gets in and out of breaks. I really like that a lot. Eric Stokes, who plays on the other side of him, does not move nearly as well. I'm not as high on him as some people are. But uh, I'm interested to watch the Kentucky, both Kentucky kids. Um, Kelvin and um, the linebacker. What's the linebacker's name? Jamin Davis. Yeah, I want to see him too uh, because those guys have gotten some buzz. And it also is hilarious. And I was talking to you about this on a call we had Friday. How I want to start <laughs> checking in weekly with each other uh, just for a couple minutes because there are so many players that are on folks' radar that aren't on my radar and vice versa just because by the time this is all done, we've you know looked at 300 to 400 kids. And there are guys that I watched – in November that I have to go back and remind myself because in the 150 kids in between that time, I can't remember. Um, function that's me being old, but I think a lot of people are like that. But I, I do like the idea that we have, we have different guys. And, um, uh, I think that's important for non group thing purposes, but also because, uh, you know, you learn stuff. So, um, I'm not, this guy didn't opt out and it's a good thing he didn't, but I'm going to mention him here because he's part of the trade. That, uh, that I had in my latest mock draft. And I think this is one of my finer moments because I'm going to will this into existence. I had the Steelers. Let me double check. I think the, the, the slotting was correct. I had the Steelers trading up from 24 to 13, Josh. If you had to guess who they took at 13, 13 trading with the charges you traded down, who would the Steelers take if you're Ryan Wilson as the general manager? Well, if you're Ryan Wilson, after the uh, the little introduction you had with Ben Roethlisberger, I would say it's probably like a Mac Jones or a quarterback. Yeah, you nailed it, Mac Jones. Uh, yeah, I'm a huge Mac Jones fan. I am such a Mac Jones fan that I had someone uh, who works for an NFL team say to me, quit talking so much about Mac Jones. <laughs> uh, tone it down on the Mac Jones love. Uh, luckily for that person, no one's listening to me, so. Uh, yeah, I had the Steelers trading up to get Mac Jones. I'm done with Ben Roethlisberger. Here, here's, here's, here's all know whether that's a good idea or not to be done with Ben Roethlisberger. As a Browns fan, do you want Big Ben to come back? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, he or, or Mason Rudolph, I'm not really, not really greedy. Just one of those two. So that's, that, that's how I know it's time for him to go. Uh, because 10 years ago, you're not saying, no. Yeah, I'd rather have Big Ben, uh, Big Ben or Charlie Batch. I don't care. Either one. Those guys are fine. That's right. So, yeah, I think it's time to move on. So I have uh, the Steelers trading for Mac Jones. I suspect that will go over swimmingly with people who are on Twitter and see that. But, you know, what are you going to do? So that is, uh, I think, the last time I had trades, which was a month or so ago. I had the Steelers trade up again for Trey Lance. I would be fine with that, too. Uh, basically, anyone, um, any quarterback 
among the top five. They want to trade him, get him. Go ahead. If Zach Wilson ends up going first, because that's been a talking point this week on social media, the Steelers can trade up to number two and get Trevor Lawrence. I'll be fine with that. Uh, so any one of those things work for me, Kevin Colbert. So uh, do you have the uh, rundown open in front of you by any chance? If yeah. not. So uh, Debo has a list of other guys who opted out who aren't first-round picks, or at least weren't, weren't in my first-round um, mock this week. Any of those names jump out at you? Because there are a lot of guys on that list that I like a lot. Yeah, you talk about, um, you know, guys that we kind of go back to watch because they have been off our radar for a little while. Um, you know, when I look at the list, the one, and we've already talked about Walker Little from Stanford, but the one that jumps off the list is Washington edge rusher Joe Tryon. Um, mm-hmm. He's a guy that has really active hands, but I feel like he could use them more effectively. He's not um, using them to his advantage to get off blocks and, uh, create even more pressure. I do like the energy that he brings to the field. He's got great size. I think if you add all that together, this is a guy that's probably not going to bust. Um, what I think is interesting about this class is there's probably a dozen of these blue chip kind of players. And then I feel like the next group of players is very deep. You could get, you know, a second or a third round caliber guy in the first round, but you could also get a second or a third round caliber guy into the fourth round. So it'll be interesting to see if some of these teams take the approach of, hey, you know, we don't love some of these guys that are on the board for us. Let's trade back a little bit and pick up some more picks, uh, take take a few more bites at the apple in a year where we really don't know what's happening. You know, it's, it's, it's been a weird year. So um, Joe Tryon for me is – one that is is rising back up for me. I was probably a little lower, probably bottom, you know, bottom of the top 100 is where I had him. But he's he's moved up quite a bit, and I think this edge rusher class as a whole is 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 deep, but it lacks the blue chip player that we've seen in the past with you know Miles Garrett or the Boses or Chase Young guys like that. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. There's no sort of home run hitter, and I think the number one overall edge rusher varies from person to person just because there's so much variability and, and lack of a true like the guy I like the best is Quiddy Pay. Who do you like the best? I still it's this fascination with Gregory Rousseau, his combination of uh you know his speed, his length, a guy that you know was a wide receiver just a couple of years ago. He's still learning the position. I think the upside is tremendous for him. So for me, um he's my number one. Obviously I would like to see him uh, and where he's at in the process now to feel a little bit more confident in that. But he would be my number one. And then Jalen Phillips, you, you know, you talk about the athleticism. Um, he's an ascending player as well. You're going to have to dive into his background uh, mm-hmm. with the transfer from UCLA and the medical history and that kind of stuff. But um, and then Quiddy Pay, those are those are probably my my top three. And all those guys are projections for various reasons. One retired and has injury history. One took off the year and just started playing the position and. Quiddy Pay is a guy who hasn't been playing football very long either. Same with Jason Oway. So, I mean, the list goes down. You can go on and on. And Joe Tryon's a guy that I like a lot as well. And he played next to Onzerike, who's really, really good as an interior defensive lineman. So I think you're right in that there are a ton of guys who can be really good football players but aren't just going to – they're no Chase Youngs, not just at the Chase Young position, but across the board. They're hard to find these sort of game-changing players. Um, one name on this list that uh, – the viewers and readers can't see her here, but that I can look at and tell you that I wanted to play this year again for selfish reasons. I opted out, and that's certainly his right. Say Surratt, Surratt, excuse me, the wide receiver from Wake Forest. Um, Because he is a 
big target. He's a contested catch guy. He's also a guy when you watch him over the summer that could not get open. Now he was successful on a lot of deep balls just because he was bigger and stronger than everyone else. But we started the senior bowl too in the one on one drills. He just struggled to get open. And that's a concern. Uh, I mean, that's a legit concern. Can he be just a possession receiver? Absolutely. But that's not a guy you're taking on day two. That's a guy you're taking in the fourth, fifth, or sixth round. And that's just the reality of it. Uh, I, I wish he had come back or I wish I got a chance to see him play and saw, see him consistently create separation. Um, and that didn't happen, but that's, that's fine. And, and, you know, he can still have a long, successful NFL career, but for strictly selfish reasons, I was hoping to see him do some of those things I didn't necessarily see him do play in and play out, uh, in 2019. Uh, let me mention. The Dolphins. Well, I'll cut in real quick because I don't think it helps his case that, again, it's a deep wide receiver class. There's a lot of guys that, you know, probably deserve a spot in that top 100. So a guy that, you know, deserves to be in there is probably going to fall out. And that's going to be good for NFL teams that are getting those types of players. But obviously that's a detriment to the guys that, um, you know, don't get taken where maybe they deserve. Exactly. So in terms of the guys that opted out, uh, we talked about Jamar Chase, but um, in terms of my mock draft, I had the Dolphins trading down from three to five so the Bengals could move up and get Panay Sewell, and there they took Jamar Chase. And I also had him trading down from 18 to 21 where the Colts moved up. The Colts get an offensive lineman, Christian Darisol, who actually was a teammate of Caleb Farley, the offensive tackle there, because Costanza's retired, and you would imagine that Carson Wentz would love to be protected more than anything else because that was part of the reason for his downfall in, in Philadelphia, I feel like. But let me ask you this. What do you think about these two picks for the Bengals moving down to five and down to 21 in addition to getting an extra third and fourth rounder in addition to all the other picks they have? I think they have six in the top 100. Now they have eight of the top 100 or close to it. You get Jamar Chase and my guy, Najee Harris, for Tua. Yeah, I love it. I mean, you know, you're you're getting the player at five that you probably would have taken at number three, uh, and you're acquiring more picks in the process. And as I stated earlier, I think there's a lot of depth in this class. So if you move back, get some extra picks, um, ensure that you've got a few extra lottery tickets in your hand, your chances of hitting on a really good player are going to improve. So, you know, you're still able to get Jamar Chase, uh, which, you know, is is going to be a valuable weapon for for Tua Tonga-Bailoa in that offense. Um, and then you also trade down to number 21 and you pick up Najee Harris, who, you know, like Devontae Smith, had a record season in that Crimson Tide offense. Now, we can have the separate conversation of, of running back value and whether you would take one in the first round. Um, but from a talent perspective, I don't think that you could argue that Najee Harris or Travis Etienne or Javante Williams, any one of them, you know, don't belong in the first round. I think they all have a case from a talent perspective. So when you're adding quality talent to your team, um, especially with a young quarterback on your roster, I think – that's a net positive all day, and that's what you're trying to do if if uh, you're the Miami Dolphins. So you mentioned Najee or or Travis Etienne or even Javante Williams, where they might go, and that is a conversation that we can certainly have. But I want to ask you about this. Jamar Chase going number five, and I have a list around here somewhere of the quarterbacks the last four or five years in terms of uh, the wide receivers, excuse me, in terms of those who go top ten. Uh, it doesn't work out very often. Uh, so could you see a situation? We saw it last year. Henry Ruggs was the first wide receiver to go, even with Jerry Judy and CeeDee Lamb still on the board. Could we see a situation where a wide receiver doesn't go off the board till 10th or later? I initially would have said no, but like you said, after what we saw last year, that was a bit of a surprise. Um, 
So I wouldn't think that anything is out of the realm of possibility. I would probably be a little bit more surprised if one fell out of the top 10 this year than I would have last year, uh, just because I'm such a strong believer in Jamar Chase. And there's a couple of teams in the top 10 that need uh, a wide receiver, including Debo's Eagles. Um, I don't know that they're going to take a wide receiver in the first round for the second consecutive year, uh, which is maybe one of those scenarios where you say, if they're not going to take one, then you're, you're down one option and it makes it more likely for a quality wide receiver to fall out of the top 10. So let's assume that Jamar Chase is the first wide receiver to go, um, inside the top 10. Maybe Stephanie Smith, maybe Jill, I don't care, but let's say one of them goes in the top 10. Do you feel better about Kyle Pitts being the number two? "Quote unquote pass receiver before the other two wide receivers, or do you think there's two wide receivers or three wide receivers go before Kyle Pitts a tight end on the floor that goes off the board? Because I feel like he could go number two in terms of the pass catchers. Yeah, I agree with that. I think I think that's probably how it's stacked up on my big board right now too. So, um, you know, again, we want to be quick to label Kyle Pitts as a tight end. He's a pass catcher. You know, simply put, you can line him up in a variety of formations. Um, you know, whether he's an H back, whether he's in line, whether you flex him out. I mean, there's a lot of different ways that you can utilize a talent like Kyle Pitts, um, you know, and create mismatches on the football field. And that's what you're trying to do on offense. Uh, we're spreading the ball out a lot more than we've seen in previous years. And quality offensive coordinators that are creative are going to find creative ways to use Kyle Pitts. I think Cincinnati would be a really interesting mm-hmm. fit with the way that Joe Burrow used his tight end early in the season. Um, the offensive line is an issue, and maybe you can't bypass that, but – uh, Kyle Pitts. I mean, I could, I could see him going in the top five, which when you're evaluating the tight end position, you know, in recent history, that hasn't been a good investment, but Kyle Pitts is just a really unique player. You know, if you get a Darren Waller kind of guy or you get a Travis Kelsey or a George Kittle, like you're fine with that return. Um, if you're taking a tight end in the top five. So, uh, he's one of the rare exceptions that I would, I would probably make at the, the quote unquote tight end position, but. Again, he's a, he's a pass catcher. Yep, that's right. And he he can block, but you're you're not drafting him to block anyone. You're not putting Darren Waller to block anybody. Let's let's be real. The whole idea is to move the ball down the field, and Kyle Pitts does that as well as, if not better than anyone else in this draft class. Uh, all right, before we get out of here, let me get your quarterback rankings. One to oh, we go one to five. You want to add? I'm guessing Kyle Trask is number six. I have no idea, but one to five. How do you rank these guys? Because there has been some conversation for people who don't spend their lives on Twitter. That maybe, or that some teams, I think Matt Miller of the Draft Network now is where he's at, said that he's talked to teams that have Zach Wilson higher. Um, I had, I don't know who he spoke with, but I guarantee you he wasn't talking to the Jaguars. So, um, and maybe that's the conversation. I don't, it hasn't affected my opinion of Trevor Lawrence. Um, I don't know if it's affected your opinion, Josh, but I want to get your top five quarterbacks. No, I think this is a, a classic exercise of overthinking. Um, you know, what do you not like about Trevor Lawrence? His size, his arm strength, his ability to process, his mobility, like his hair. what is what yeah, your his hair. What is your issue with Trevor Lawrence? He's he's the number one quarterback for me. Um and then there's a little bit of a gap, and then there's Zach Wilson, um, who I like quite a bit, and then there's a bigger gap, and then you get down to Trey Lance as the third quarterback, which mm. is probably a little bit controversial, especially in Columbus with with uh Justin Fields there. Um, and then Justin Fields is the fourth. You know, I wouldn't have a problem with any one of those guys in the top 10 because I think when you're taking a guy in the top 10 at the quarterback position, you look for traits. You look for, um, you know, rare traits that's going to allow them to find success 
even while they're developing. So maybe while Trey Lance needs to continue developing as a passer, you know, he's got the athleticism and the mobility to, to kind of keep himself alive. And, um, you know, kind of like what we've seen from Josh Allen, Justin Fields, very talented as well. So again, I, I'm fine with all of those guys in the top 10. Uh, your guy, Mac Jones, um, you know, who you've carried the torch for very vocally would be my fifth quarterback. I just, I have issues with his mobility or, or lack thereof. Um, good processor is his footwork in the pocket's a little sloppy. Um, I think at the end of the day, he'll probably be the fourth or the fifth quarterback taken in the first round. I love the Saints as a landing spot because of the amount of talent surrounding him. Um, so he would be my fifth quarterback. And then believe it or not, a guy that I like, uh, quite a bit is, is Davis Mills from Stanford. I think, um, I like a lot of what he brings to the table. So he's probably leapfrog Kyle Trask, even for me in that sixth spot. It's funny you mentioned um, Davis Miles because I have about four games of his lined up, and there's some other Stanford kids that I want to see. Um, and I think, actually, I've se- I've watched like I was watching the Oregon kids on defense play against Davis, but I wasn't paying attention to him. But I, I know there's some buzz about him. I think he had a knee injury, and that uh, had something to do. Do you have a knee injury? Because it was KJ Costello. Costello left, and then did Davis get hurt? Uh, not this season. I don't. I don't know about his, his, his pre-existing. Yeah. History, I just but... check on 2019 because um, Costello obviously left went to Mississippi State, but yeah, that's a guy that I, that I haven't watched closely, but that people are I've heard his name on the street. Uh, yeah, for me, quickly, and then we'll get out of here. It's, it's Trevor, it's Zach Wilson, Mac Jones is third for me. Take that. There, there's your controversy right there, Josh. And then it's Justin Fields and Trey Lance, and I think all these guys are really, really good players. I'm not overthinking anything. You can nitpick anything you want about all these players if you want to, but at the end of the day. They're all good football players, um, and, and I think if they all went in the top 15, I would not be surprised at all. Um, I do want to see what happens with Mac Jones, because I do think that NFL teams feel differently about Mac Jones than the media does, and for the reasons you, you lay out, is that he is, 20 years ago, Mac Jones is a, the, probably the top overall pick because of just the way the game was played then and how much has changed, but obviously he's not running for first downs. Uh, he, he's not doing a lot of things that the four of the quarterbacks in the first round can do and, and do quite often. So, But, uh, you know, that's what makes it fun. So that's where I'm at now. That's the mock draft show number two in the books. Uh, Josh, thanks for joining us. Congratulations on fatherhood. Uh, continue success with your son, knowing more about the 2020 class in Brinson. And uh, we'll talk soon. On May 23rd. I want to go back to normal. What's normal? The Paramount Plus original series, Evil Returns. We've already hunted werewolves demons. And now what? A baby antichrist? Okie dokie. Prepare yourself. You will not beat us. For the end. I have visions of hell. Make it stop. Make it shut up. You're not going to survive this. Evil, the final season. Streaming May 23rd. Only on Paramount Plus.